0: Praise God. Even as we are celebrating Black History Month, and we look down over the years, and even as a people, we may not have had much, may not have had anything at all, really, but the man who has Christ Jesus as his treasure, has all things as in one may not have what you think you deserve to have. You may not have what you want to have. But if your hearts cry this morning is all I have is Christ. And beloved, I, I dare say we have everything we need if we have Christ Jesus. If we have Christ Jesus, we have everything we need. Why don't you pray with me this morning? Gracious and eternal, Father, we thank you for being the great I am. Father, because you are the great I am, you have provided and you are every single thing we need. Father, you are a friend. You are a father. You are one who is faithful. You are consistent. You are near. You are transcendent. You are matchless. You are mighty. You are the lover of our soul, the, the one that we set our affections upon. You are the one who gets us up, the one who is our refuge, the one who is our strong tower, the one who is our strength. You are our hope. You are our life. You are our all and all. For truly, oh God, when we have you as our Lord and Savior, we have every single thing that we need and Father it is for this reason we come by right now to pause to honor you out of a sense of gratitude and deep affection and to say thank you thank you Father for your grace and for your mercy for your kindness your steadfast love and faithfulness thank you Lord that indeed as the scriptures testify even when we are faithless you are faithful for even when we were dead in our trespasses and sin you rescued and you redeemed those who are who have been broken who are broken and you reconcile us to yourself through the precious blood of christ jesus thank you for sending christ And even this morning, Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit. And I ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon us anew. Father, I ask that you will work within our hearts and our lives to give us and in spite of praise. In spite of our own issues, may we praise you. In, In spite of our fatigue, may we praise you. In spite of our frustrations, may we praise you. In spite of our difficulties and the tragedies that are going around, uh, going on around us, may we praise you. In spite of the chaos and confusion going on in our homes and in our neighborhoods may we still praise you in spite of our own feelings and being in our feelings this morning may we still praise you in spite of the fact that things ain't go the way we wanted things to go this week may we still praise you in spite of the fact we don't have much left in the bank account in this just the beginning of the month may we still praise father we might not have all of our health and strength but, Father, may we still praise You, things aren't what we may want them to be. But, Father, help us to still praise you in spite of because you are worthy of our praise. And, Father, I ask that you would be so kind to give us eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts to receive your word with joy and gladness. May you te- take my weakness my foolish words and use them for your glory, for your honor, for your name's sake. And may someone leave this place today transformed from the inside out because they have surrendered to you that you would be their Lord and Savior. Father, we indeed, we ask that you will have your way in this place. Please speak to us for your servants are listening. In Jesus' name we do pray and all of God's people said together, amen. Amen. Indeed, this morning, if you would, uh, on your, in your Bibles, on your device, turn with me to 1 Peter, the fourth chapter. 1 Peter, the fourth chapter, and again, as you do, I would like to just say welcome to, to your family. It's good to see you once again. Thank you for your prayers as I was able to serve our family well in Michigan this past week, uh, this past weekend, and even this week as, as I had some meetings, it's always good to see you. Welcome to all of our guests this morning. And we are in the midst of a series on stewardship. And again, when we hear the word stewardship, our minds quickly turn to the subject of money. But uh, a biblical understanding of stewardship is is much fuller, it's much richer than just money. Because when the Bible talks about stewardship, it talks about every single thing that God has given unto us, has entrusted to us, that we would be faithful in using. So things like our time. God wants us to be faithful stewards of our time. As a matter of fact, I've been trying to to change my vocabulary. God uh, has called us to be faithful stewards of his time. So you're really not wasting your time. You're wasting his time. Uh, On last week, Brother McGee preached to us the stewardship of our testimonies, that which God has done and has brought us through. We, we have a story to tell. I, I can't tell your story, but God has given each one of us a story, and he has brought us through various situations and circumstances that we may testify to the goodness of God. Uh, we need to steward our testimony. This, on, on this morning, we will be looking at the stewardship of our talents, those spiritual gifts that God has given to us. And then on next week, we will close out this series looking at the stewardship of our treasure, all of the material possessions, everything that God has given unto us. But upon this, this morning, we are in 1 Peter, the fourth chapter. And so far, uh, we've had three primary takeaways from the text, three takeaways. And the first takeaway is the fact that God owns everything and you and I own nothing. God owns everything. And if we take that perspective, then we can fully have the perspective of a steward because everything that I have doesn't belong to me, it belongs to God. So that, I mean, that means I need to take good care of it and I need to be faithful in what I do with it. I can't just do whatever I want with God's stuff. You wouldn't expect me to come in your house and just do whatever I want in your house. But yet we come in God's house all the time and do whatever we want. God owns everything and I own nothing. But the second takeaway that we have from this study is I am responsible for what God has entrusted to me. When God entrusts me with anything, I can't just say, uh, well, I I don't want to worry about it or maybe I just said it here. No, if God has given it to you, he has made you responsible. You need to take care of what God has given you. And thirdly, I am accountable for what God has entrusted to me. What does that mean? That merely that, that means that uh, when, when, when God comes to me and says, What have you done with, with all that I have given you? We're going to have to give an account. We're going to have to tell him that uh, I wasted the time, I wasted my talents, I wasted my testimony, I wasted my treasure. Or will we be able to say, Father, I just uh, did the best I can with what? With, with, with what you gave me, and, and here's what I have in return. We want to be faithful stewards. We want to make sure we're maximizing everything that God has given to us. Again, remember, this is a key in stewardship. God didn't give you stuff just for you to hold on to, just, for you to, just, just to make sure uh, it, it didn't break or to make sure that uh, it didn't go away. It, it, every single thing that God has entrusted to you, he has an expectation that you would maximize that gift. When I say maximize, that means there's an increase and not a decrease. In your salvation, if God has saved you by grace through faith, he doesn't want you to be just a sit-down, pew-sitting Christian. He wants you to maximize your faith. He wants you to do something with that salvation. He wants you to have some type of impact upon this world, maximizing what he has given. So today we will explore the Stewardship of talents. First Peter, the fourth chapter, if you would, please stand with me in honor of reading of God's word. We'll just be reading verses 7 through 11, focusing on verses 10 and 11. This is the word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Let me say that one more time. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. They just eating up all the Cheerios Verse 10, as to each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. May the Lord have a blessing to the reading of his word. Just want to tag our subject for this morning, Foundations for Faithful Stewardship of Talents. Foundations for Faithful Stewardship of Talents. We've been uh, uh, preaching and teaching on a foundation for stewardship. Just what is stewardship? And today we're looking at the stewardship of talents. You know, when I was thinking about this subject, I actually began to think about the progression uh, in life in, uh, in this journey called parenthood. Uh, being a parent is 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 a journey. And and things change over time. I, I, I've noticed how things change. Uh, I notice how things change when you have uh one child from two if you have two children or more, things change between one and two. Or or things change between that. That, that brand new baby and, and that baby who's a little older. The way, the way we treat our children may be a little different. When when, they, when we have our first child, we're, we're so careful to sanitize everything. We want to make sure that if they drop their bottle, we want to run to the water fountain and wash it off. But when we have that second baby, that, that same pacifier falls on the ground and we just pick it up. We lick it with our mouths and put it back in their mouth. It's like... It's like, we, we done been there, done that now, there, and nothing's going to happen to this child. We, we just kind of keep on going. That first child, you, th- you took a million pictures and was on Facebook every day with that child. Child two, three, four coming and, and let that child grow up like, mama, uh, daddy, uh, ain't no pictures of me. It was like, yeah, by that time, we just got tired. And it's like, you know, it, things kind of like change as you progress being a parent. And I remember when you first have children, you just think your child is the most beautiful child in the world, and your child is the most special child in the world, and your child is the most gifted child in the world. You talking about, yeah, I took him to the doctor today, and he in the 97th percentile for head size. We wanna brag about something. We just wanna brag about something. When it comes to our children, because we want to say our children are gifted. But, beloved, every parent really knows that after a while, our babies really ain't gifted. They just like every other baby. Now, now granted, there are some very gifted individuals that the Lord has uniquely and specifically gifted, and they kind of stand out, and we see that they are gifted, intelligence or, or whatever, but pretty much most of us. Our children are regular just like everyone else. See, but here's the thing. This is not true of Christians, though. When it comes to Christians, the children of God, whether we was his first child or his trillionth child, we're still treated with that same love, same care, and same attentiveness as if we were the first child. The children of God, we, we aren't like everyone else, we are special. The scriptures remind us that we are a peculiar people, a people who have been set apart for God and God alone. We are special. And, beloved, for the purposes of this morning, I just want to remind you that each and every child of God has been gifted. You see, that's what you've been waiting for all this time. You've been waiting for somebody to tell you that you're gifted. Go ahead. You can say if you belong to Jesus, you can just kind of whisper under your breath to yourself, yeah, I'm gifted. Like, you can say, I knew I was. I just ain't know how. The only question for us today is, for the child of God, what will you do with your gifts? Here in the text, the apostle Peter, he instructs us as children of God, what, just what are we to do with our gifts? I want to focus in on just two verses for us this morning, verses 10 and 11. And he says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's very grace, whoever speaks, as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything, in everything, God may be glorified. Through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, looking at this text, we we, we are to recognize that Christians have been gifted for one another that Jesus may be glorified above all others. Christians have been gifted for one another that Jesus may be glorified above all others. We're just going to look at that statement today and walk through it. But reading Dr. Tony Evans' book on kingdom stewardship, he gives this definition, this example. He says, "The Bible declares that your greatest Christian stewardship is not seen in what you get from God, but in what God, through you, can give to others, as you serve Him in alignment with your gifts." If we had a shorthand of today's sermon, it's pretty much uh, running your lane and stay in your lane. Run in your lane and stay in your lane because the gifts that God gives to his children are perfectly put together in order that we may carry out Jesus' command in Matthew, the 22nd chapter, of to love God and to love neighbor. He's gifted us with the ability to love him and to love our neighbors. And and who who else are the closest neighbors besides uh, our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, this new family? This this new population called the church. These are our brothers and sisters. So this morning, I just want to take our big idea and work through it. Christians have been gifted for one another that Jesus may be glorified above all others. Let's take the first half of that. Christians have been gifted for one another. Notice what the text says in verse 10 at the very beginning. As each has received a gift. The first thing that this text wants to teach us, and and we hear uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is that God has given every Christian, every Christian, a gift to serve one another. Every Christian has been given a spiritual gift. Remember when you was young and... uh, playing games with the kids, or this may even be taking place now, and, and, and everyone's doing something, but you haven't been invited, or maybe you got picked last, and you have that, that feeling of just being left out. I don't know anybody who likes to be left out. I hate being left out. But in, in, in God's kingdom e- economy, no child is left out, and no child is left behind when it comes to God's gifting. Some important truths to understand that, that arise from this text is to understand that we're not left out because everyone has been created by God and for God. Revelation 4 and 11 reminds us, worthy are you, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power because by your hand all things were created and by your will they exist and were created. Romans eleven thirty six 36 reminds us, from from him, through him, and to him are all things. But I love the text in Isaiah, the 43rd chapter, and verse 7, I quote this very often. As a matter of fact, I have this, I have this marked in my Bible with one of those little red stickies just to remind myself, what am I here for? And, and Isaiah 43, 7 says, everyone who was called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. The prophet here reminds us that every single person has been created by God and for God. We have a purpose in this life. We're not just out here to do uh, any and everything we want to. You wake up in the morning and, well, what do I feel like doing today? We need to begin to wake up in the morning. If we're going to be faithful stewards, we need to begin waking up in the morning and not asking what I feel like doing. But God, what would you have me to do today? Because if I belong to you, I want to be faithful. I want to be a faithful overstore of what you have given me. But not only are we created uh, by God, each of our lives has been planned and are permeated with purpose. The fact that, we, that you have been created in the Imago Day, the fact that you have been created in the image of God lets you know that you have purpose. That God wants to use your life. So so if 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 I if I have been planned and I have a purpose, then then that means God wants me to do something. Understand. If, you, if you've been planned and you've been purposed, you've been equipped to do what God wants you to do. And whoever God calls, God equips. We see that God equipped Adam, didn't he? When God says, he says to Adam, I want you to have dominion over the, the fish of the air and the, uh, the, the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the animals and, and all of creation. And he says, I want you to take dominion. What, 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 how does he equip Adam? He gives him Eve. Because he had a purpose for him. God calls, uh, calls Noah because he is blameless, and how does he equip Noah in order to do what he needs to do? Noah has three sons, but then he sits down, he says, Noah, I want you to build this ship, but let me give you the blueprints, wherever he calls, he equips he says, he says, Abraham, I, I want you to go to a, a, a foreign land. I want you to come out of that pagan lifestyle, and I'm not really going to tell you where you're going, but I just want you to follow me wherever he calls the equips. How did he equip Abraham? He says, he just makes him a promise. Moses, I want you to go and set my children uh, free. Go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. How does he equip Moses? He said, Moses, when you stand before him and they're trying to figure out what authority you have, you just drop your staff. Wherever God calls, he equips. And because God has planned for us and has a purpose for us, he has equipped us to do the job that he has called us to do. And part of God's plan in equipping us is the impartation of these spiritual gifts. Here, this, this word, this gift, this, in the Greek, it, it, really, it really means this, this special ability given by God. What are these spiritual gifts? Spiritual gifts are Holy Spirit-empowered gifting and abilities for the purpose of equipping the church to carry out its mission. Spiritual gifts are given by the Holy Spirit their, their Holy Spirit-empowered gifts and abilities for the purpose of equipping the church to carry out its mission. God wants the church to be busy about making, marking, and maturing disciples for Christ. And the way that he, he takes care of that is that he, he gives us special gifts to be used together in order for that purpose. These spiritual gifts, they're not only Holy Spirit and power, gifts, and abilities, but the text reminds us that every single gift that God has given to us is a manifestation of his grace upon your life. The fact that God uh, desires to use you for his purpose is is, is, a, is a is a demonstration of grace. You didn't deserve God's attention. I didn't deserve God's focus, but in spite of myself, in spite of who, who I used to be, in spite of turning my back on him, he has chosen to use me for his purposes. Spiritual gifts and the use of, and this is a, a privilege to be a part of what God is doing in creation through Christ Jesus. At the end of the day, God has given us spiritual gifts that we may manage his household well, the household of faith. That's what he wants us to do. Right. We read today in our call to worship and in our responsive reading uh, two of the primary texts that, that kind of lay out for us what spiritual gifts are. Turn with me to Romans the 12th chapter. Romans the 12th chapter. Let's start at verse 3. These aren't um, comprehensive lists of all the spiritual gifts. But these are some places where we see the majority. We see them really defined, and we, we, we see them really called out. Romans, the 12th chapter, beginning with verse 3, we see, see, the grace is right here at the beginning. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than He ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Basically, he's saying, uh, don't think you all that because your ability to do what you do was given by God. So you need to be thankful for the God. It's really not you. Each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Who assigns this? God. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, So we, though many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in in proportion to our faith. If service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Skip down to verse 27. No, I'm sorry, that's that's our next text. In First Corinthians twelve, we're going to look at verses one through eleven. Then we're going to skip down. But in, in the Romans text, we see prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership, administration, mercy, uh, uh, and healing. Turn with me over to First Corinthians the twelve chapter. First Corinthians the twelve chapter. I start in verse four. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There's different ways that the Holy Spirit manifests himself through his people. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. So so we all are getting our gifts from from one God. So no no one is more important than another person within the body of Christ. To another, various kinds of tongues, the languages, the ability to to speak a, a, a previously unknown language. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Now skip down to verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ. And individually members of it, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, uh, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. What uh, are, are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with, with tongues? Do all interpret, but earnestly desire the highest gifts, and I will show you still more, a more excellent way. And, and throughout Scripture, we see other spiritual gifts. In Ephesians 4, we see the gifts of uh, prophets, teachers, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. 1 Corinthians 7, 7, we see the gifting of singleness. There, we, we see, there's all kinds of special gifts and abilities that God gives to his people For the church, he is equipping us for where he has called us as the church. Beloved, you have what it takes to do the will of God. You have what it takes, if you are a follower of Christ, no matter how young or how old, to have an impact upon this local body of Christ. Every Christian has received a gift back in... Verse 7 of uh, the 12th chapter of uh, Corinthians, he says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You may have one gift. You may have many gifts. When you think back to Matthew 25 in the parable of the talents, there was one servant who had five, five talents. One servant had two talents and one servant had one talent. It's it's not for us to determine what we're going to get, but it's for us to use what we have been entrusted with. Every Christian has received a spiritual gift and understand, every gift is God-given. Just because you know how to pray well don't mean you, you, you can't put that gift on somebody else. Just because... Uh, You can teach well doesn't mean everybody should be a teacher. Just because you usher well or you greet well or you cook well or you you are hospitable or you give, just, just because you're made up like that doesn't mean everyone's like that. These are gifts given by God. So on the flip side of that, if you are the person who does those well, stop thinking so highly of yourself. We, we should never be able to look down our noses at someone else and be like, mm. look, they don't even know what they're talking about. They don't, even, they don't know what they're doing. Your gift is from God. So the, the only reason you know what you're doing is by God's grace. Had it not been for the Lord, where would we be? Every gift is God-given, but notice, every gift is God-determined. So so this is the other side of it. I don't get to to run in whatever lane I I, want to run in. I I don't get to wake up in the morning and all of a sudden say, I I think I'm going to be a Sunday school teacher today. We don't want you doing that. You ain't, you ain't never cooked a meal for your family in your life. You're like, you know what? I think, I think I'm a good fit for the culinary committee. You don't get to choose what lane you get to run in. We just get to choose how hard or how weakly we run. The, 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 the foundation, what, what I want us to get from just that portion of Scripture is that when we try to do more than what God created us for, we get in trouble. See, though, those are the situations where you can really say to a person, now you're doing too much. That, that's really not your gift. Now, you ain't got to say it in a mean way. You, you, you ain't got to walk up to them. Now, now, brother so-and-so sister so-and-so, uh, you, I know you tried to cook them greens last week, but... Uh, I don't think that's your spiritual gift. We don't want to out people like that. But but when we begin to walk in and run in those lanes that we're not supposed to be in, we're actually hindering the work of God. This reminds us we need to be mindful. Why am I doing what I do? Is it because I just like doing this or do I believe I'm called to this? Has the Lord uniquely gifted me in this area? Put it like this. When you do what you do in church, are people genuinely blessed by it? Now, now I'm not saying, because you know, you, okay, we, we in church, we're going to be 100. Church folk lie sometimes. And, and you'll do something in church, and they come up to you, and they give you that bless your heart moment. They're like, you, try, you really tried. And like, oh, you did so well. And they, I mean, they're lying in church. But, so, no, you, you want to hear people say things like, you know what? I was having a real hard day, and you did X, Y, and Z, and the Lord really used you to bless me. You know what? I was struggling with X, Y, and Z, and then you was, you was talking about this, and, and the, Lord, the Lord used that to really just change my direction. See, when, when your validation doesn't come from sinful man, but, 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 but by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in people's lives, then you know you're walking in your calling. That people can actually say, God used you. To do something in my life. See, that's one side of the coin, but the other side of the coin says when we try to do less than what God has created us for, we get in trouble. God has uniquely and specifically equipped each and every follower, each and every child of His, to do a specific work that only you can do it, that only you can do, only you can fulfill. And when you sit on those gifts, when you sit on that one gift, when when you don't do what you you know what the Lord has called you to do. You've been in church all your life and you haven't done anything for anybody in the church. You just show up and you leave out. You are doing less than what God has called you to do. And now the body of Christ, we aren't being blessed because you aren't living up to what you've been called to do. See, this is, what, this, is, this is one reason why I'm so, uh, uh, why, why I press so hard on just church attendance and church membership. It's not the fact that we want you to come to church because we just need you in church because uh, we want you to hear us or we want you to, to, to get something from us or we want you to give your tithes. No, that's not why we want you in church. You should be in church because when you show up, you got that gift that can't nobody else give. And when you don't show up, that means that we're being left without. You don't just come to church because you want to. You come to church because God has given, he has entrusted you with a responsibility that only you can fulfill. If church was your job, you'll show up. Don't you know that God has equipped you for something more eternal than just a temporal job? Don't you know that God has a job for you in glory that's going to go on for forever and forever and forever? Don't that uh, Humana and UPS ain't got nothing on glory where God is going to be using you? Amazon can't pay you enough. They can't pay you the same riches that Jesus Christ has already lavished upon you. We need to walk out these callings and, and be who God has called us to be. Look here in verse 10 again, the second half of this verse. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Who, whoever speaks as one who speaks. Oracles of God. Whoever serves, as one who serves, by the shrimp that God supplies. God has given every Christian a spiritual gift that you would serve the church. That's the whole purpose of these giftings—that we would serve the church. And in this text, just in these few passages, uh, the Apostle Peter says three times one another. In the New Testament, over fifty times. It mentions one another. Who is this one another? When a one another, when when, when the New Testament text uses the phrase one another, the biblical authors are talking about the church, the the, the big C Catholic church, all Christians throughout all time who belong to Jesus Christ, but also the, the, the biblical authors are talking about the local body of Christ, the church. This is... This is, this is another uh, a key uh, and, and, and reason for church membership. The, the one another says that there are certain individuals who have been marked off, have been set apart from everybody else, and those become our one another. If you're not a member of a church, how do we know you're one another? How do we know that you, that you even want to be obedient to the Lord if you can't even submit yourself to us? So whenever the text of Scripture in the New Testament says one another, they're talking about the church. Where where else uh, am I able just to exhibit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness? Where else can I uh, use my gift of teaching and and preaching and serving and helping? Oh, my bad, We, we use those gifts every day. We use them for our own glory on our jobs to get our own paychecks, don't we? Some of us, God has given the gift of administration. We can plan some stuff. We can lay out some details. But we use that gift for for our our jobs instead of even using a part of that for the church. I'm not saying don't use your spiritual gifts on the job market. That's That's how God created you. You should walk in that. You should use that. But what I'm saying is don't forget about us. Don't forget about us. Because really the reason that you've been gifted wasn't just so you can get a job to support yourself. It was to come and be a part of what God wants to do here. That we may work together for his glory. When you exercise your gift for the body, you're being a good and faithful servant. What we see here is that when we exercise the gifts God has given, the church will grow. Quickly, Turn with me to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. I want you to see this. When we're using our gifts properly, the church will grow. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Let me start with verse 11. It says, and he gave the apostles, the, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Those are gifts to the church. Why? Why, why do we have these individuals that God has raised up to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind and doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, watch this, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. When each one of us are fully using our spiritual gifts, Jesus said his church is going to grow will grow like how? I argue it'll grow numerically because when we are really exercising our spiritual gifts, that means that, 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 that people will see our, our witness and people will hear our speech and then people will hear the gospel come out of our lips and people will be saved. And people will, will, will be able to hear the good news that, that Jesus died for their sins. That they've been separated from a good and faithful and holy God and their sin is, is causing them to head uh, headlong into hell. But Jesus showed up in order that, uh, that they may have a way to be reconciled to the Father and they may have the hope of heaven when they repent and believe. And we, and we preach the gospel message about the good news of what God has done through Jesus Christ to rescue sinners like ourselves. We're going to grow numerically when everyone is functioning well. See, when everyone is doing what they're supposed to do, this, they're like, worship service works smooth when everybody's doing what they're supposed to do. Sunday school works well. Community groups works well. Our, our, our community engagement efforts, ESL, when the body does what the body does, then, then, then things work well. And I don't know about you, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just being real, but folks don't like no mess. Like, y'all claim to worship an excellent God, a wonderful God, and, you, and y'all can't even get things together yourselves? Our witness will say so much. We're all, not saying we don't now, nah, but I'm saying that as we do, as we are faithful in exercising our spiritual gifts, we'll grow. People will come. People will hear the gospel. People will be changed and transformed. But not only will we grow numerically, but the most important thing, we'll grow spiritually. Because, because just like that saying, it takes a village to raise a child. Understand, your Christianity is not, is not, has not been called to live on an island by yourself. You cannot grow as a Christian if you are not around other Christians. You need someone else pouring into your life. You need someone else holding you accountable. You need someone else that that's praying for you, that you're praying for. Because when that happens, we our our, our depth of of understanding of who God is uh, begins to cause us to go wide in our impact and influence. When we're working and serving together, that means every single person who names the name of Christ has a role and has a part in deepening my Christianity and deepening my faith. The body will grow when we do what we're supposed to do. Christians have been gifted for one another that Jesus may be glorified above all others. The second half of this is in verse 11. In verse 11. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That Jesus may be glorified above all others. Why why, why do we do what we do? That Jesus may be glorified above all others. From the foyer to the fellowship hall, God has uniquely gifted his church for his glory and for our good. Our purpose as a church is to make much of Jesus that we may be sought and light in this world. We, we should be like modern-day lighthouses. Lighthouses, the whole purpose of a lighthouse was to be on a coast of water, to, to shine the light of coming boats, to warn them of the rocks, of the bad currents, of the bad weather, of everything that would cause them to sink. Beloved, we live in a dark and lost world, and Jesus has called us to be a beacon of light and hope in this neighborhood that as people pass by, we can say, stay clear of the rocks and the traps that Satan has set. When you're living for yourself, that means you will be cast away from God in eternity. We are the ones who say, look out, watch out, stop, and be rescued. We shine that light the brightest when we're merely reflecting the glory of Jesus Christ. He's not, call, he's not telling me to shine. He's just saying, reflect my glory. He's not telling you to, to, to light, the, light the, the wick and to make sure you're... He's just saying, let me, uh, l- let me reflect off of you. We need the glory of Christ to shine brightly in our homes. We need the glory of Christ. In our lives, we need the glory of Christ. In this world, we need the glory of Christ. Because when the glory of Christ, when the glory of God shines brightly, the lost are able to find their way. Christians have been gifted for one another that Jesus may be glorified above all others. See this This formula of stewardship, don't forget, it is responsibility plus accountability equals stewardship. And you and I, who who named the name of Christ as Lord and Savior, we're going to have to give an account for this stewardship of talents. We're going to have to tell God, you gave me this gift of Helps, and I didn't help nobody. You gave me the gift of generosity, but I didn't bless nobody. In 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, verses 12 through 15, listen to this. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw. He's talking about how we use our gifts. How how we use our gifts. That each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. Though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. What Jesus is revealing to us that when we use our gifts like we're supposed to be used, like they're supposed to be used, we're sending up to glory uh, gifts of, and treasures of gold, silver, and precious stones. But when we take God's gifts and we use it for our own glory and for ourselves, that's just hay, straw, straw and wood, things that's going to be burnt up. Seek to understand what your gift is and begin to use it. You know, on the foyer on your way out, we have some... Uh, some spiritual gift surveys. If, if you've ever said to yourself, you know what? Uh, I've heard about these spiritual gifts, but I just don't know what my spiritual gift is. On the way out, we have uh, what is are spiritual gift surveys. It's not, they're not an exact science, but they help They help to, to illuminate what could possibly be your spiritual gift. I dare you to take one of those uh, surveys with you and fill it out and, and to understand what with how God has equipped you. But another way of, of figuring out how God has gifted you is just to show up and serve. Just get involved. And the Lord will begin to direct you in the path that he wants you to go. But ultimately, in order for us to truly exercise any of our talents, for us to faithfully and intentionally surrender our lives and service towards one another, you and I, we need to have received the gift of grace for salvation through Jesus Christ. We need need the greatest gift of all, Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. It is only when we turn from living for for ourselves and turn towards living for Jesus can we even begin to serve one another. Because sin severs our service to the Savior. We don't, when we are steeped in sin, we don't want to serve nobody but ourselves. And we certainly don't want to serve God. And our only hope is to repent and believe. To say, Lord, I'm sorry for living for myself. I'm sorry for doing my own thing. I'm sorry for only caring about me. Would you please forgive me? Would you please come into my life and save me? I believe you are who you said you are. You're the Son of God the one sent into this world to die for my sin. And I believe you, 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 you died on Calvary's cross, but then you rose on the third day. Would you please come into my life and save me? Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the, from the grave, you will be saved. Beloved, spiritual gifts are not for self-service, but for a servant's service. As we seek to serve Christ, Christians have been gifted for one another that Jesus may be glorified above all others. Let us pray. Lord God, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for these deep truths. Thank you for the various gifts you have given us, these varied instances and manifestations of your grace. Father, help us to be faithful where you have called us. And I ask, oh God, that we would be faithful stewards over these gifts and that we would see numerical growth, but also we would see spiritual growth. Father, we ask that you would continue to have your way. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' precious and holy name we do pray. Amen.